Hello and welcome to the Toddcast. Uh, delightful autumn day, soaking wet, leaves all over the car. It's gray and bleak and it's beautiful. Um, good times. Uh, welcome to Ohio. Um, in uh, honor of nothing in particular, because it has nothing to do with anything, because that's apparently how I roll. Um, fun fact, um, fiberglass is flammable. Um, didn't know that as a youngster. Uh, not sure how common knowledge that is for most folk. Um, but I'm here to tell you, um, that that it is. Um, it doesn't make any real logical sense to me. Uh, you know, glass doesn't really catch fire, um, but fiberglass apparently does. I'm not sure if it's the paint or like the epoxy that they mix it with or what that is, but uh, yeah, that stuff will that stuff will catch fire. Um, you, you, it, it occurs to me you probably have to give it a little help to get it started. Um, but it, it will, it will catch fire. Um, and, you know, just to let people know that, um, public service message this morning, um, be careful around fiberglass things because it, it will burst into flame, uh, under the, I was going to say the correct circumstances, but I, I guess they're kind of the wrong circumstances if that's happening to you. Um. And to explain why it is we've we've come to that conclusion and, and why I'm I'm sharing this information, um we'll tell you a little story. So in my youth, um post getting busted for D and D um lifespan, um but still as a as a youngster, um would have been in high school I'm guessing would have been junior year, possibly senior year, probably senior year, because um, several of the fellas would have, you know, gone off to college or the Army or, you know, whatever, you know, the various things that they did after they graduated high school. Um, and so the gang was a bit uh, diminished and down to those of us that, that were still around. Um, and I also know know this. I know that it was post getting busted for D&B. Uh, because of the gang that I was with. Um, chiefly because I was allowed to hang out with them. Um, and I'm going to do my best to hold off on naming names. Um, but we're, we're hanging out. Uh, I want to say it was probably summer. Must have been summer. Tail end of summer? I don't know. The weather was nice. Um, one of the fellas, uh, you know, looks at, looks at the group and says, Hey guys, uh, my grandparents have this lot out in the middle of nowhere, uh, with a camper on it, a little campground. We're like, okay. And, uh... They want me to go out there. They're they're going to sell it, and so they want uh, they want me to go out there and, and you know 
mow the lawn and and tidy it up for that. Um, anybody want to come help? And you know, all of us think, hmm, this is a golden opportunity for manual labor with no real payout. And we're all like, yeah, no, we're good, dude. Um, and he says, well, you know, come on, guys, we, you know, it's it's out in the middle of nowhere, and we can, you know, um, we can play Star Wars. And again, to be clear for those who may not have listened to previous podcasts, uh, when he says play Star Wars, he's referring to we can play the Star Wars role playing game, not uh, you know, run around with toy guns like we were, you know, seven or whatever. Um, which was a thing we did very often, uh, as often as possible. Uh, I um, reassumed the mantle of Game Master um, and was, was quite keen uh, to play the, the, the Star Wars. He's like, we can play all day, you know. Um, like, eh, okay, maybe. He's like, it's a campsite. We can have a bonfire. And I'm like, I mean, let's do this. Um, spoiler warning, uh, I'm was a bit of a pyromaniac as a youth, um, and there, there are quite a few things you can probably convince me to do as long as there was some sort of flame in, involved, um, and so there were, uh, you know, a couple, couple of the other fellas that, uh, you know, we, we convinced to, to go along with, um, and so we, we, we hop in his truck and head out to the, out to the country, and, and as I said, it was absolutely in the in the middle of nowhere. Um, like uh, we do a lot of camping uh, as a family nowadays, mo- modern modern times. Abby and I and the girls, a uh, lot of camping. Uh, one of these days, I should really tell you about the level of camping that we do, um, and the amount of travels that we've done as part of the camping. But the point is, is you know, when we go camping and you go to a campground, it's you know a place, and there are campsites, there are individual little lots where you pack, and you, you pitch your tents, and there's, you know, places for campfires, and maybe, you know, pic, uh, picnic tables, and occasionally, you know, a little, little sheltery thing, but there are a lot of those in fairly close proximity, uh, and so nowadays, when I think of a campsite, that's what I think of, uh, you, you have neighbors that are, you know, depending on the campsite, you know, sometimes closer than others, but always, you know, within visible range. Um, this campsite was, was not that kind of campsite. It was a plot of land in the middle of nowhere with nothing else around it at all whatsoever. Um, there was like a dirt road that led out to it. And there was a camper and, you know, probably a picnic table, um, you know, and a little little spot with uh, a fire a fire pit. Um, and a portalette, and that's it. And then the dirt road continued, and presumably there were more of the same along there. But the point is, is this was very, very secluded, very, very off on its own, which was, you know, seemed fine, seemed good. Um, you know, um, and we'll come out to work to our general advantage uh, later in the story. Uh, so, but, but we, you know, there were, let's see, there were five of us, five of us loaded up. Uh, we get out there, um, and you know it's it's. I mean, we we can get out there, you know, at the crack of morning, 
Um, but it was fairly early in the day because, uh, you know, we, we knew there was some work to be done and then we were going to, you know, take some time and hang out and whatever. Um, but there were five of us. There was one lawnmower, you know, a, a push lawnmower. I mean, it was it was a, you know, a gas mower. It wasn't one of the old, you know, spiral-bladed push-push mowers. But point point being, it wasn't a riding mower. Uh, it was one that you, you know, walked behind and pushed. Um, I want to say he had a weed eater. Um, and, yeah, that's it. So five, five guys, two pieces of equipment. I was pretty happy with this arrangement. Uh, because as the the game master, I could easily make the excuse of, oh, well, I'm going to go inside the camper and get ready for the game. Um, you guys do your thing. Um, and Randy, I'll go ahead and name his name because it was his, his grandparents' place. And I don't know that any harm can come from him. He's as innocent as any of us in this, in this tale. Um... And Randy, with it being, you know, kind of his responsibility, he, he, like, he, yeah, you're working the mower, you know, fun boy. Um, and one of the other fellas who, you know, had, uh, you know, a slightly better work ethic and, and moral compass than the rest of us, you know, volunteered to work the weed eater. Um, which left, uh, which left the, which left the others of us, no, no, I think, I think there were just four of us. Yeah, I want to say there were four of us total. So that left the the remaining two, uh, you know, sort of to our own devices, with the idea that you know they'd work for a little bit and then we we you know switch off, um, you know, swap swap places. Um, so we go in, and the camper was a. I mean, it it was it was a small camper. Um, you know, you're, you're when you're driving down the road and you see the 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 giant RV looking things. Um, you know, they're, you know, bigger than a school bus. Um, this would have been the short bus equivalent, um, in terms of campers. Um, like, you know, a, a room, they're, they're, you know, the door opened and there was, I'm hesitant to call it a kitchen because there weren't like cooking surfaces or, or fridges or anything. It, it was a kitchen in the sense that, oh, there here is a table and chair, or, you know, it's a table and some bench seats that, you know, you, you could disassemble and flatten out that would turn into a bed type situation. Um, and it was in the table configuration. So we go in there and, and you know, I've got the books and the dice and the paper and the pencils and all that and kind of get that set up and um, you know, the beauty of role-playing is that there's not really a lot of, um, setup required in terms of, you know, the physical goods, um, you know, there's a fair bit of preparation required on the part of the game master to, you know, come up with the stories and make notes about, you know, the, the various, you know, folks you're going to fight and plot points and whatever, but as far as, you know, physical setup of the gaming environment, it's, all right, I've got my books. Everybody's got pencils and their character sheets. Here's a stack of dice. Cool, let's do this. Um, so, I mean, I think we probably had that done before you even had the, uh, the, the mower out of the back of the truck, <laughs> probably. Um, and so, you know, the, the next thing that, you know, any teen kid's going to do, um, one left to his own devices, is, you know, 
ransacking the, the, the cabin makes it sound like it was more messy and, and, and violent and destructive than it was, but we started poking around there to see if there's anything cool in here. Um, there wasn't. I mean, it was a camper of an, you know, my friend's elderly grandparents. Um, there was there was nothing good or exciting there. Um, the two key acquisitions, um, which I don't even think we, we've located at that particular point in time. I think we ended up coming back to them. Uh, but eventually, um, there were three key things that came out of uh, the camper that day. Um, a spray can of, I want to say it was Lysol. It was some sort of like spray, you know, disinfectant, uh, you know, alcohol-based stuff. Um, a whisk broom, one of those little um, handheld uh, whisk brooms made out of straw or what have you, um, and a pillow. Um, and these three things will, will come into play uh, in a little bit further on in our story. Um, but I think that's all that was of any merit in, in the camper, other than the you know game books and dice and stuff that we, we brought into it ourselves. Um, I think we might have brought a brought like a boom box for some tunes. That was I think it. Um so there's nothing really to be had in there, so that that's that's boring and dull. Uh and so we, you know, go out and the boys are you know plugging away, you know, weed eating and uh cutting grass and all that all that stuff. Um and so we start, you know, casting about for, you know, well, what can we do? Uh, as mentioned, I was a bit of a firebug, a little bit of a pyro. Um, the other gentleman that was with me, um, also a bit of a pyro. Um, and, you know, we're, we're looking around and we, you know, come upon, uh, like an empty milk jug. Uh, maybe it previously had juice, I don't know, but a plastic gallon container the likes of which would commonly, you know, contain milk under other circumstances. Uh, that was sort of, ha- you know, just sort of there, discarded, trash. Um, and we see it, and we're like, okay. Um, and our brains immediately go to, you know, how can we use this for destruction? Um, I guess it should also be noted that... Um, the boys and I, as as I mentioned, were, were were big fans of you know as teen boys often are, of destruction, um, of fire in particular, um, and I think I've also mentioned how playing role playing games uh, can be quite educational and and broaden your horizons and teach you uh, you know lots of things, um, whether those things are of that of merit or you know of actual use can sometimes, uh, you know, be debatable, but you do learn things. Um, you know, for example, uh, playing D&D, uh, I learned a lot about, um, you know, castles and the defensive mechanisms and the, you know, methods that were employed to, to defend them. Um, you know, if I were to say to the average person, hey, tell me what you can about murder holes, um, I'm going to get some weird looks and people aren't going to know what that is, but I can tell you that, you know, um, in the context of a castle, um, when you are, um, 
murder holes are openings in the floor, either in the gatehouse or on the parapets, um, that overhung where the enemy was, was, you know, trying to, you know, get at your walls, you could open this thing and look down at them and more specifically, you know, um, shoot arrows at them, drop boiling oil on them, dead cats, um, I'm led to believe was a thing that they'd do, um, not necessarily useful information, but again, it's stuff that you know, uh, who knows, maybe someday I'll be on Jeopardy and, you know, what is a murder hole will win me the big monies, um, likewise, uh, and I want to say this, this, uh, particular nugget, uh, was from our time playing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and other strangeness. Um, you know, they give statistics for a an improvised weapon uh, known as the Molotov Cocktail, uh, which, you know, many of you may be familiar with. It's the whole, uh, you know, bottle filled with gasoline or whatever and a rag jammed in the end there that you light the rag like a fuse and then throw that sucker. And it's, it's basically a, a firebomb. Um, so we, we were vaguely familiar with the concept of the Molotov cocktail. We, we never, you know, implemented this except in our imaginations. Uh, you know, we didn't have any real-life application of this, uh, this concept. But we were, you know, aware of it and aware of what I will now say are most of the key concepts. Uh, as I said, bottle or container, check. We now have a milk jug. Flammable material. Well, we're here mowing lawn. There's a gas can somewhere. Found it. Put, you know, put some in that bottle. Check. All right. Rag to put in the end. Mm, didn't really have anything, you know, rag-like per se without like, you know, oh, there's a sheet on the bed. Let's ruin that. Figured that'd get us in trouble. Uh, but we did find uh, a length of rope. Um, you know, maybe quarter inch, half inch in diameter sort of rope, and it was, you know, the uh, uh, the fibrous kind, not not like the plastic or or uh, you know some sort of polymer rope. It was it was rope that we would figure would both uh, wick up the gasoline and catch fire. Um, so we you know stuck that in there, kind of kind of jammed that in there. Um, and then the last thing that we thought we needed was was an actual flame. Um, and I guess I'll I'll just say now the the key piece of information that we were missing in the the recipe for a Molotov cocktail is you do need all of those things. But one of the key components is that the the bottle that you're putting all this in needs to be, you know, glass or something breakable. Um at the time, fire-loving though I was, I didn't understand some of the principles of fire and flame, and particularly of explosion. Uh, a lot of people, uh, myself included at the time, uh, are under the impression that, um, you know, gasoline is explosive. Um, gasoline is not explosive. Gasoline is highly flammable. Gasoline vapor is explosive. But gasoline itself isn't necessarily going to blow up. Uh, you know, I, I, I wouldn't recommend trying it at home, but if you, you know, filled a bucket with gasoline um, 
and, like, didn't put it in an enclosed space where the vapor was going to be. Like, if you pour a fresh bucket of gasoline and throw your cigarette into it, the fluid will actually put your cigarette out. It won't burst into flame. Like, it, it's that's not how it works. Gasoline, like I said, the vapors are explosive. You're, you put fluid gas into your car, it gets aerosoled in your engine, and the sparks explode, and it makes the internal combustion engine run. Um, key point being, you know, clearly a, a misused plastic milk container is not really what you want for a Molotov cocktail. Um, I should also mention that we didn't fill the thing, like, we didn't use a full gallon of gas. Like, we, we put, oh, I don't know, about an inch or two's worth of gas in the bottom of a gallon jug. I'll let you guys do the math to figure out exactly how much that is. I don't know, a cup or two? Um, so that much, plus whatever gas had wick, you know, because we kind of soaked the rope down before we put it in there, plus that. Um, so it's not like it was, you know, ridiculous, well, I guess. Any amount of gasoline in a milk jug for what we were doing is a ridiculous amount of gas. Uh, but it wasn't, you know, a full gallon, is my point. Uh, but there was still enough in there to where... Being a person who at the time thought gasoline was explosive, uh, you know, it, there, there was a bit of a question as to which of us was going to light and hurl this thing. Uh, I mean, we'd already picked out our sort of landing zone. Like I said, there was there was a, a, a dirt road close at hand because we weren't going to throw it into the grass because then the grass catches fire, and that that's no good. What the hell else are we going to do? But there was, a, there was a dirt path, and we figured, well, if we threw it, you know, in the dirt road, it'll be a nice you know, fire, but dirt doesn't actually burn, so it'll burn itself out and it'll be fine. Um, but we got to figure out, okay, who's going to, you know, light and um, chuck the thing? Uh, and I, as has previously been mentioned, was not a very athletic child. Uh, this was very well known. Um, so we were going to let Ray do that. Uh, I had the Zippo lighter uh, on me at all times, so I would be the guy to light it. So he's, you know, in the the hurling position. Um, I light it. He does this overhand toss. It, you know, goes through the air and thud, lands in the middle of the road and proceeds to do, you know, all of the nothing. Um, like I said, kind of the idea here is that it's in a glass container and it shatters and the gla and the gas coats the whatever it is it, it, that you're you know chucking it at, and the fire from the rag then catches that on fire. It's not so much an explosive as a way to distribute flaming oil onto a thing. Um, but again, in a plastic jug, that doesn't happen. Um, and it was pretty much at this point that we both realized, oh, that probably should have been something breakable. Um, that was disappointing. Um, and kind of looked at each other, ended it, and, like, even the rope had, like, I can't remember if it had just gone out or if it had, like, fallen out, because we didn't jam it into the the neck of the bottle. It was just kind of sat in there, uh, which was kind of sad. Um, but in any case, it didn't do anything. Um, through some weird miracle, the, the, the jug ended sort of face up, so it wasn't, like, laying on its side and spilling gas everywhere. Um, but, but it, it didn't do what we were after. There were, there was no, you know, joyous flame. So we, uh, we're like, well, okay, 
we, you know, damn it, we, there needs to be a fire. If that didn't work, what else are we going to do to get a fire going? Um, and just off the path, uh, just off the, the, the road there, as was previously mentioned, was a portalette. Uh, it was one of those, um, I'm going to call it old school portalettes. Uh, you know, nowadays all of your, your porta potties are, uh, plastic. Just, just, just full on plastic, uh, you know, boxes. Um, prior to that, um, they used to make them out of fiberglass. Uh, they were a lot, you know, more sturdy, harder shells. Uh, you know, but, uh, you know, other than that, it was the standard arrangement. It was this, you know, size and shape of a standard porta potty The door opened. It had, its, you know, spring-loaded hinges. There was the, the place where you took care of your business. Um, you know, a couple of, you know, slits on either side wall to let air circulate. Um, pretty standard portalette, uh, or porta potty whatever you want to call it. Um, we're like, huh. I'm not sure why it occurred to us that it was a great idea to try and, you know, explode gasoline inside of a portalette. I want to say that we wanted to get it, make it explode, but tr- I think we were looking more as the portalette as a containment unit than anything else. Um, and as I mentioned previously, it was made of fiberglass, and we were both pretty sure fiber, fiberglass doesn't burn, right? No, it's, it's glass. Glass doesn't melt. Glass doesn't burn. We should be fine. We'll use it as, like, a containment area. So we pick up the bottle, uh, the jug, and we set it in the floor of the portalette. Uh, and again, the question comes of, you know, who's going to light it? And at this point, it's in, you know, we kind of sat it in there and then, I don't know, fucked around. So it had been in there for a bit. And I guess the portalette had been there for a bit. And again, not being, you know, chemistry majors uh, by a long shot, it, it smelled, you know, as a portalette does when left alone, which brings up thoughts of methane, which is also explosive, which, on the one hand, could add to this fun. Uh, on the other hand, might make it a little more dangerous to be tossing, you know, matches and fire around in there. Uh, and as I said, you know, the gas was in there, and, you know, after we puffed around, I forget what for, opening the thing, you could smell the gas. We're like, oh, this seems... This seems like a terrible idea. Uh, I mean, a great idea in terms of fun and explosion, but a bad idea in terms of, you know, us keeping our eyebrows. So what what do we have for alternate methods? Um, And it is at this point in the story that uh, we remembered that there was a whisk broom and a aerosol can uh, of, uh, you know, like I said, Lysol or something. Uh, And we said, hey perfect idea, flamethrower. So we go and retrieve these items, um, and we catch the whisk broom on fire, and holding it in one hand, and holding, you know, the spray bottle in the other, we give it a couple of test, test goes, and it, it acts as a flamethrower. It was, you know, awesome. Um, and we played with that for a few minutes, and we're like, okay, we need to not use up all the aerosol. We, we've got a mission here, damn it. Uh, so we again approached the, the portalette. Uh, as I said, the door was sort of spring-loaded to keep it shut. Uh, so Ray peels back the door, and I ready my weapon. Um, 
the jug was placed on the floor underneath where the, the toilet rolls, the, the toilet paper rolls were. Um, and it, it occurred to me that blow, you know, flamethrowering the jug itself might make things happen just a little too quickly. Um, and so instead I opted to flamethrow at the toilet tissue. Um, and then if that didn't, you know, give me what I want, I could maybe walk it, walk the fire down, sort of, sort of deal. Uh, for something that was so thoughtless and, and, and random, there were strategy and tactics involved to make this all go down. Um, and so I did that in a quick couple quick bursts, and it was one of those moments in time that it sort of slows down. Like if this were, you know, being depicted in the motion pictures, this is the point where you, you, you'd start to uh, leverage the slow motion effects. Uh, because the, it came out of the can, or well, came, the fluid came out of the can, came in contact with the with broom catching fire. The fire proceeded to the toilet paper and caught the end, the free end of the toilet paper, in such a way as that a single square caught fire, broke free, and slowly started, you know, wafting down to the the container. To which it should be mentioned, we reapplied the quote-unquote wick. Um... And it landed on Sedwick. At which point, I jumped the hell back, Ray let the door slam shut, and we booked it the fuck away from there, because we were for sure that this was going to, you know, go up in an epic fireball, uh, which failed to happen completely. Uh, and it was our second disappointment, uh, and I also want to say that at that point, um, I hear Randy or, or the other guy, one of them, were, you know, kind of like, what are you guys doing? And we're like, nothing. And so we just kind of walk away from it. Um, and we go back to, you know, futzing around the, the campsite in general, going back into the, the camper, um, going going about our business. Um, and we're kind of sitting there just shooting the shit. And we see... Um, the guy working the weed eater kind of turns a corner. Like, he got his back to us and everything. Uh, he kind of turns a corner and kind of looks up at us and, you know, we're like, hey, dude. And his face goes slack and his eyes white. And we're like, what is his deal? Uh, and we, you know, turn around to see what's behind us. And from the porta potty there are wisps of super black smoke coming out from the little air vent slits on either side of the thing um like it wasn't so much the volume of the smoke but the blackness of it that was striking at that point uh and he's like and you know like I said his face goes slack we turn around and we're like oh fuck uh and start running over there to see, you know, what what gives. Um, a few minutes later, you know, Randy stops mowing and 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 comes to it. Uh, and so we get over there and we're like, huh? 
and like I said, we couldn't see fire. We there wasn't didn't seem that bad. The smoke didn't seem that intense, but it was very black smoke coming. Like something was clearly on fire in there, but it didn't seem to be. I don't know, super on fire. <laughs> uh, so we uh, we opened the door, and the um, the sudden influx of air seemed to have helped things out, let's say, um, and the uh, entire surface of the inside was, went from sort of a smoldery sort of a thing, uh, with little little wisps of flame. When we opened the door and it all came in there, it all sort of just kicked in, and the walls were on fire, um, sheets of fire, uh, continuous fire, uh, and this also made the super thick, you know, black smoke go from being wisps to, oh, we're going to crank out the volume now, uh, and it just was just billowing out, um, and this all happened, like, real quick, like, open the door, and it immediately transitions from little fire to giant fire, and from little wisps to giant cloud, um, and in enough time for us to have witnessed this, but in, you know, a very short period, and as soon as that happened, uh, we let go of the door, and the springs did their job and slammed that sucker shut, uh, and all four of us kind of look at each other and go, holy fuck, what do we do? Um, so, Randy says, there should be a fire extinguisher in the, in the camper. Uh, so he and I both run to the camper. Uh, I want to say I got in the door first, he came in behind me, and it was, there was no point in the other two guys coming in. There's not enough space. They're, they're like, you guys got this. Uh, and so this is the point at which we actually start ransacking things. Um, Taryn Shippard just trying to find it. Um, there, uh, there was no, no fire extinguisher in the camper, um, which is unfortunate, uh, but there just wasn't, there was like, oh, fuck, I, I don't know, um, I did, however, see a bucket, and figured, you know, this might come in useful, as there was, uh, you know, a water, there, there was water on site, there was this, like, pipe with a spigot, um, that you could use to get water, and I'm like, if nothing else, we can go this route, and I grab that. Randy grabs a pillow. Um, and again, I can kind of understand, you know, where he's coming from. You know, we, we've seen movies, TV, and cartoons where, you know, if there's a little fire, you can, you know, beat on it with something, uh, and that, you know, sort of power smothers it and puts out the fire. Um, I'm pretty sure, even as he ran out with the pillow, that this was not one of those situations, but, uh, we were all a little panicked, um, and so, we all run out there, and Randy is like, open the door, and one of, somebody opens the door, and he starts, you know, wailing into the door with the pillow, uh, you know, beating on it, trying to put out the fire, and I mean, there's more fire than pillow by a factor of, like, 
what is on fire is it's not like, you know, oh, it's a piece of cloth or it's wood, you know. It's melted paint and fiberglass, you know, polymer, whatever, quite possibly with gasoline in the mix. Like, all it's all it ended up doing was being, A, hilarious for the other rest of us, and B, a way for him to now catch a pillow on fire. Um, and it wasn't until a fair bit into it that he re- that he eventually realized that, you know, not only was the pillow not putting out the fire, but that the pillow was on fire and that he was beating on a fire with a fire. Um, and I will tell you the whole you can't fight fire with fire thing definitely held up true in this case. <coughs> Pardon me. Um, so that didn't work, so we went to plan B. Uh, which was, hey, I've got this bucket, there's a pipe, let's do the bucket brigade thing. Which, again, you see in TV and movies and think, hey, this is a, a splendid idea, this this should work. Uh, in practice, that shit does not work. Because um, the concept is simple. You've got a guy, you know, by the, the water source with a bucket who fills it up, hands it to the next guy, who hands it to the next guy, who hands it to the next guy, who throws it at the thing, and then he runs back with the bucket, and everybody shifts up a position. And you just repeat this until you've done your thing. That works for, well, I guess, A, that works if you've discussed this and everybody knows that's what you're supposed to do. Uh, the first go through, the bucket comes down to the end, he throws it onto the thing, and he chucks the bucket to the front of the line rather than take it to the front of the line. Um, a, none of us were athletic. B, buckets are not super aerodynamic. Um, and the bucket, like, went wild, and we had to, like, go run for it. Um, meanwhile, you know, we're screaming, you don't throw the bucket, you run down with the bucket, and we all move forward. Um, so we tried that. Um, but eventually, in a panic situation where there's fire, everybody just gets too fucking antsy, and it ends up being four guys just kind of rap- haphazardly running back and forth in a sort of circular line situation, and no water gets where it needs to be, and the bucket is, like, it, it, it turns into a circus. Uh, you know, if we had it on film, I would lay down that, that, uh, that Benny Hill, you know, wackety sax, whatever song behind it, and it would have been comedy gold. Um, but that's failing, and we're like, we, we don't know what the fuck we're, and like, and in the process of running around like crazy, you know, we're like kicking the thing, and like, pushing on it, and whatever, um, and eventually we got to the point to where we had kicked the thing over on its side. Um, I think part of our logic was that, well, it's a portalette, and there's fluids in there, and it's really super gross fluids, but they're probably not flammable, and if they can at least put out one of the sides, that's at least, you know, a tactical win. Uh, so we kicked it over to its side. I don't know that that did anything or not, because it was at about at this point, because uh, like I said, Sick, super sick, billowing black smoke up to the heaven, and it was a and it was a fairly sunny. Actually, it was a very sunny, very clear day. Nary a cloud in the sky, other than the giant toxic black one that we were creating. And so it was shortly after we turned the thing over to its side. Uh, off in the distance, we could hear, and we're like, "That's a helicopter." And we said, yes, it is. We hadn't heard any traffic or helicopters or anything previous in the day. Um, we're like, 
That's just because of the smoke, isn't it? Yes, it is. We need to get the fuck out of here. Yes, we do. And we all hurled the lawnmower and the stuff up into the truck and jumped into that motherfucker and got the fuck out of Dodge quicker than I think I've ever seen any of us move. Um, and, you know, made it out of there and, you know, got got back home and went our separate ways and, you know, our story was that, you know, yeah, we went out there and mowed because they were pretty much done with the mowing at that point. Um, you know, we mowed and we hung out and we left and, uh, you know, nobody knows anything about nothing. Nope. Nah, I don't know what you're talking about. Everything was fine when we were there. Um, and, uh, we actually did, in fact, get away with that shit. Um, a couple days later, you know, Randy had told me that, you know, his, his parents had paid him for the job. I can't remember how much it was, but Randy was the kind of guy that actually, you know, divvied that money back up to everybody uh, who participated. Uh, when he could have easily just pocketed it, none of us would have been the wiser. Um, like, I want to say I got like five bucks out of it, and I literally didn't do a thing to help. Uh, you know, I caught the shit on fire, but I got five bucks out of it. Uh, because that's how, you know, they paid, they paid him X amount and said, you know, split this up amongst your friends. And sure enough, he did. Uh, and as he told the story, um, there were reports that some vandals had, had destroyed the, the, the portalette. And, you know, did that happen? You know, was the portalette destroyed when you guys were out there? And Randy was all, oh, Grandma, it was fine when we were there. That must have happened afterwards. And, oh, shucks. Golly. And apparently they bought it, so, you know, we we made it out of there. It was all good. But uh, the moral of the story, folks, as I pull into my parking spot, um, is as I said in the beginning, fiberglass is flammable, um, and you should be aware of that. Um, thank you for joining me. Uh, I hope you enjoyed our little tale of uh, pyromania, uh, and have a good day. And that's it. <laughs>